Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures. Before we get started, we want to make sure you're crystal clear about how you can stream our virtual show. We recorded one of our live performances, the one that we did in Melbourne a couple of weeks ago, and it will be available to watch from November the 12th. Annual subscribers can stream for free, but you can't just log into the Mamma Mia website on the night. You need to just do a couple of things to claim your free ticket beforehand. Go to outloudlive.com.au and then you can claim your ticket there and you can watch the show there, but make sure you do that before November the 12th. Welcome to Mamma Mia Out Loud, what women are talking about on Friday the 11th of November. My name is Jessie Stevens. My name's Mia Friedman. And I'm Amanda Keller. What a surprise that I'm here. I'm filling in for Holly. Oh, we're so excited to have you. Thank you. Holly's on her basic bitches weekend in in Byron Byron Bay that she does every year. What's basic about it? She calls it her basic bitches weekend. Holly is a bit of a basic bitch. And she she goes, like, of course she goes to Byron. She goes to two of her best friends. Like, they drink lots of wine. They go to nice restaurants. And she just... Just loves it. I'd love that too. It's such a good idea. We're going to have some fights today and I'm so excited. Jennifer Aniston has opened up about her struggle to get pregnant. What does it tell us about biological clocks and how we treat child-free women? And this is the argument we've been busting to have about the accompanying photo shoot. I'll be telling Mia why she's so wrong. And our best and worst of the week, which includes a viral video, sons and an embarrassing moment. But first... A sickening development in the Medibank hack with criminals posting highly sensitive medical information and it's only the start with more leaks on the way. There's been a few hacking scandals that you've probably seen over the last few months and there's been a lot of discussions about the responsibility on these big companies and the most recent one is Medibank. The word hackers makes most people switch off. I don't know how to protect my privacy, so I just switch off. But there's been an escalation. Cyber security experts have been telling us this serious stuff. And then this week, well, actually, it's been a few weeks, Medibank has gotten involved. People's private medical records have now been released. Just yesterday, we saw what a worst case scenario could look like. The Medibank hackers have published an abortion file listing hundreds of Australians who have undergone abortion procedures onto the dark web. Now, the dark web, for anyone who doesn't know, is like a separate private browser and it's where a lot of criminal activity happens. People can access it, but the average person probably doesn't know how. So it runs parallel to the internet and Mm -hmm. it's where illegal stuff happens. Yeah, exactly right. Online. But it is available. It is there if anyone wants to go and check. Could I find it on my phone? Look, if you had half an hour, you could probably get on there. Yeah. And at the moment, this stuff's on the dark web. How long does it take till it filters up? And it often does. There will be threads and forums where that stuff ends up getting published. It was a spreadsheet and it includes the names and private details of over 300 people. 
Can we talk about why? Like, so the yeah. idea of stealing data, it's to hold it for ransom or yep. it's to sell it to a third party who can then use it for identity theft. It seems to be for ransom reasons. So they said to Medibank, we want 10 mil. Medibank said no, and that has been the line of the Australian mm. government because the second you start paying ransom, this is just going to increase and increase because there's a lot of money to be made. There's a lot of theories that this is Russian hackers, it's overseas, and Australia is particularly vulnerable because Australians are quite willing to give away our information. But don't you have to? That's the thing. Yes. Every form you fill out, if you go to the shop to buy something, mm. they want your name, your address, your whatever. Yep. Everywhere you go, you go on a list somewhere. So whether we're naive or not, our society asks this of us. Exactly right. And we trust those big companies with protecting that data. That's just an implicit understanding. And so just in Parliament this week, I believe they have increased. Basically, if these big companies aren't protecting our data, there are now way bigger fines and way bigger implications. With the Optus hack, it was about information, like data really. Yeah. Mm. This is different, isn't it? Because yeah. it's about medical records. So it's about Medibank is a private health insurance mm -hmm. company. So any medical procedure that you've had that you've claimed back on your private health cover, things like mental health treatment, abortions, fertility treatment, Cancer treatment, presumably. But isn't it interesting, though, that, as you say, the Optus one was for data mining, which is now the big mm. thing. This one, if it is for a ransom, the horrific idea that they're playing it for shame. Yes. yes. To pick abortion is yeah. to go to the heart of it, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Exactly, that they would choose something about women's bodily autonomy and to assume. So personal and so private. So personal and private and to assume that this is women's worst nightmare is there's implicit misogyny in that, which is you ought to be ashamed. Yeah, and right. And that you ought to pay, you know, this ridiculous amount of money to protect those records. To be clear, they're not coming after individuals for not money. Yet. Not yet. Yeah. Though, did you see That's Todd true. Woodbridge? Yeah. He's, he said a couple of days ago that he only pieced it together as to what had happened that he was part of Medibank. The way it was put to him was, oh, you have an unpaid hospital bill. He'd had a hospital stay for a heart issue and they knew where he'd had the procedure. They knew what the procedure was. That's how they targeted him. And I had a colonoscopy a couple of months ago. I think, oh, I might have just thought, oh, yeah, I haven't paid the anaesthetist. Sorry about that. Mm -hmm. I, yeah. it'd be, so that's how that information can be used in yeah. terms of blackmail. That is financial blackmail as opposed to we will release your information exactly. if you don't pay. Mm. And there's also they've come out with a good list and a naughty list that includes health claims related to drug and mental health issues. Oh, it's terrible. Oh, so my God. God. No, it's evil. And this is, honestly, there were cybersecurity experts talking about this that I remember interviewing literally six weeks ago saying mm. this was worst case scenario and I remember thinking there's no way. Come on, they're being a bit you know, hyperbolic mm. here. But this is what's happening. A lot of really people were nervous stuff. about this with the My Health system when a lot of yep. just general medical records were being put online. And some people said, no, I don't want to opt into that system. I don't want my medical records on some, you know, national mm. database. What's distressing about this is everything. But for the women who are on that list, abortion procedures can include something called a DNC, yep. a dilation and curette, which can also happen after miscarriage. I've had those after miscarriage and that would be listed as an abortion. As we're seeing in America at the moment yeah. where none of those procedures are available to you if you live in a place where you're not allowed to access any of yeah. that. Yeah. 
The other thing I think is an important takeaway, there's obviously, unfortunately, not much we can do mm. about the data that belongs to these big companies, but there has been an increase in text message scams, phone call scams. So I think the important thing is to be hyper vigilant and also to people like my grandfather who's 95. Tell your parents, tell your grandparents. Exactly. Yeah. But just to be super, super hyper vigilant, if you get that text message that's about, mm. oh, I'm out of money, mum, that one's yes. going around. I like, yeah, you've yeah, got to be really, really careful because it is. Or I've lost my phone, mum, text me on yeah, this number. It's going I've, through the roof. There's also been some discussion I've seen on social media in the last few days about the way that we can take the sting out of this is our personal choice in how we respond to this information. We don't shame anyone. We Mm. don't give it any power for anyone who is seeking medical help in any way, shape or form, all power to you. And as a group, we decide we're not salacious and we don't act on any of it. Mm. That's the only way we can take the sting out. Just because we're women, we have a uterus, we have a vagina, we have ovaries, we need to like get to work, lady. We as women do a lot of incredible things. They love the narrative, they love the story, they love that she's jealous and this person's depressed and oh my gosh, I'm never gonna have a ch- It's up to us what makes us happy and fulfilled. Everyone's talking about a Jennifer Aniston Allure magazine interview. Remember magazines? Allure magazine was a pretty iconic magazine in the 90s, a beauty magazine, and she was on the cover of their last ever print issue. And she chose this interview to finally talk about all the speculation about her being pregnant or not pregnant, having children or not having children. The story was called Jennifer Aniston Has Nothing to Hide. And she talks about trying to get pregnant. She didn't say when it was, although... I think she said sort of late 30s, early 40s. Yeah. That was the sense I got. She doesn't mention any particular relationships though, does she? No, no. she doesn't. And we don't know whether she also tried with Brad and couldn't. And then she talks about IVF, but she basically says that literally there've been hundreds, if not thousands of magazine covers over the years of tabloid magazines saying Jennifer Aniston baby bump, Jennifer Aniston pregnant. Is Jennifer Aniston pregnant? And of course, after her marriage to Brad Pitt ended when he left her for Angelina Jolie, there was shocking commentary about the fact that he wanted children and she didn't because she was so ambitious and that's why he left her. And she at the time said that's not true, but that speculation when he then went on to have six children with Angelina and she didn't become a mother, it sort of was cemented, this idea that she didn't want children. She said, I was trying to get pregnant. It was a challenging road for me, the baby-making road. And the author of this profile said, I had no idea. And she replied, yeah, nobody does. It was really hard, all the years and years and years of speculation. I was going through IVF, drinking Chinese teas, you name it. I was throwing everything at it. I would have given anything if someone had said to me, freeze your eggs, do yourself a favor. You just don't think. So here I am today. The ship has sailed. It's a really interesting profile. It's interesting that she's chosen to talk about it now. She's 53. Obviously, she could still become a mother in different ways via donor eggs, via surrogate, via adoption, but she seems to shut that down and sort of claims to have made peace with it, she says in this interview. It's interesting, and Jesse, I wanted to throw it to you, this idea of well, she's talking about freezing her eggs. Mm. I'm hearing more and more women in their 40s and 50s coming out and saying that. Is it making you anxious? Yes, absolutely. I'm in the process now. I went to an appointment recently to 
kickstart that process. I'm 32 in December. My friends around my age, the women, not the men, are already getting so, so anxious about Mm. fertility. And the message that we are getting, especially from people who struggled, say, in their late 30s, early 40s, is I wish I'd frozen my eggs. I wish that I had made that decision, which puts a lot of pressure on you to start thinking about your fertility maybe earlier than you might have Mm. anyway. It's hard because there's never the right time to have a baby. I'm in a specific situation where my partner is a little bit younger than me. And so you have to try and work out when the right time might be for the couple. But Jennifer Aniston is not the first person to say this. Mindy Kaling said it recently. I wonder if this is a generational thing too, a Gen X thing in particular, that was a wave of feminism that came along and said, you can work like a man. Men and women are equal. They are the same. Put your head down. It was very lean in feminism. And then it was like a generation of women looked up and went, oh, like if I want to have kids, I should probably get to it. And there's this message that I think millennial and Gen Z women are getting now, which is your biology matters. It's something that maybe we didn't talk about for a particular period. Can't pop Botox in your ovaries. Yeah, it feels as though there's a pendulum <laughs> a swing. Song, sure. <laughs> there's, there's been a real pendulum swing. And now I think that there's a lot of anxiety, especially for women in their early 30s. I'd like to think that our workplaces are more supportive. I don't know if that is true, but it's a decision a woman makes. I know we say we make it as a couple, but if you said to a male, you have to take six months off at a minimum, step out of the trajectory of your career. These are big decisions to make, though from someone from my perspective who tried for many years with IVF to have a baby, and I'll discuss all how reading Jennifer's really Mm. brought a whole lot of stuff home for me. But as you say, there is no right time Mm -hmm. just to have a baby. So I don't know if you wake up one morning and you think, oh, in six months' time we'll do it then. Yeah. I I don't know if it works that way. I can't make that decision for anyone else. Do you wish you'd have frozen your eggs when you were younger? The technology wasn't there. You could freeze embryos, which we did Mm. through IVF, but you couldn't freeze eggs then and that was never offered Mm. to us. Mm. I've never been asked that question. How did you feel reading the Well, what I I just felt for her because on my tiny minuscule scale, so different to what she went through, I didn't want anyone to know that I was going through it as she did. And I think about how her poor body and what happened to her through all that and being accused of, not accused, but is that a baby bump? I know what this fake ovulation does to your body and what the hormones do to your body and to your mental health and to the timing. One of the things I found hardest was you can't control the timing of anything. And they say for A-type personalities, that's really hard. You have to, on Wednesday, on blah, 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 in two weeks from now, have a general anaesthetic. I would have a general anaesthetic after work, in the afternoon, I was doing breakfast radio, come to work the next day and tell nobody. Mm. I just did not want people to know the journey in case it was going to be a sad journey, I think. I don't think women want to be an object of pity or a cautionary tale. And I think that's why I thought it was so brave and so vulnerable and Jennifer Aniston did not owe us this. And for her to go on the record Mm. and say it, I thought was so brave because the stories that come out of Hollywood, I had begun to think that if you had enough money and you had enough power, you could have a baby at any age. But you can. But Jennifer Aniston is saying, I went through IVF and I really, no, really tried. No, but she tried. obviously chose not to do donor eggs. or she. I mean, we, we won't know and, and we have mm. no right to know. Yeah. But there are still ways. But what she's saying is that 
the way in which she imagined she would become a mother or the way in which she wanted to become a mother was not possible for her Mm. via the type of IVF she chose. But when you say, Amanda, you didn't want anyone to know, I know the answer to this and I think Jessie pointed it out too, but just tell me why. Is it because you didn't want to have to manage everybody else's feelings about it and you just wanted to deal with your own? That's part of it. Were you ashamed? I didn't know. There was no shame. When I first started IVF, everyone knew someone who had an IVF baby, but only one in three got a baby. Mm -hmm. I think the stats are much higher now. Mm. So for all the one person you see, there are two that went home without a baby and those people rarely spoke about it. And I don't think it was shame. And I used to say to our IVF doctor, tell me if if you think there's no point because I don't want to just keep going and going. I don't want to be defined by the lack. And if I told people about it, that would have been the constant dialogue. And even some friends, I said, don't ask every month. I'll tell you if I am. It was so hard to own the sadness of it. Like Jennifer Aniston, you were in the public eye. Mm. You were doing breakfast radio with Andrew Denton Mm -hmm. at the time. You were married, you were of the age. I'd been married for 10 years. No one ever asked my husband. People would always say to me, going to have kids? And what would you say? Because that's what she was talking about, except it was on the cover of magazines. I know. I'd say, oh. It was the worst thing to be asked. I think I just made up a variety of, oh, sometime we're all giving it a go or something pathetic. But I remember when I finally got to say the words out loud on radio that I'd fantasised about for so many years, I was able to say, I'm having, it makes me want to cry, I'm having a baby. I'm getting an email from a guy. I think it might have been a fax. That's how old this story is. <laughs> where he said, I was wondering when you'd be brave enough to take the leap. And I thought, <gasps> we can never assume anyone's story, can we? Oh. We can never assume. And the same thing, you're putting your work first was the assumption. Yep. <sighs> and you which are I your career. And that's exactly what Jennifer Aniston is talking about here. The assumptions, the cruelty, the viciousness. Whether a woman decides not to have kids or can't have whatever the story is, this was such a reminder of how cruel we are to women who are in that space and also why you never ask. I don't know how many times women need to say this, but stop asking women of a certain age if they're pregnant. And if you're out with someone and you're all having a drink and she's having soda water, don't say a thing. Yeah. 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 Particularly in those also those early months where you are pregnant, you're not ready to tell people. Why would you tell strangers in a pub? Yeah. Yeah. I'd take it even further. I was having breakfast With some women I didn't know the other day for work and we were just, you know, making conversation and we were talking about our kids, me and one of the other women. And then I turned to the woman next to me and I said, do you have kids? That second, I saw in her eyes everything I needed to know. And I should have never asked that question. She was in her 30s and she was like, oh, no, you know, I'd like mm. to, my husband and I, and I was just like, oh, damn it. So it's not even as obvious as, oh, are you pregnant? Even it can be very insensitive. I wasn't meaning to be insensitive, but can be very upsetting to ask someone, do you have kids? But if I love how she said in this profile, the relief that comes with being in your 50s. And I, I've yeah. seen this with women in my own life. You have to surrender to a choice having been made. But my friend who's in her 50s says that's not true because now you've got, because of like surrogates and egg Mm -hmm. donation, because she also had 
not had children and that there was a time when she thought she wanted children and she'd had miscarriages and she's had terminations because she wasn't with the right person. And then the clock just ran out and she decided she didn't want to be a single mother. And so she said she was at that same age as Jennifer. But because of technology now, everyone's like, you still could, you still could. And she's like 57 and she's like, can you stop saying that? Like, I, I don't want to. Let me... Yeah. Sit in that choice. And yeah. the sit in the choice and cauterize the wound. Yeah. And choose how you're going to live your life. Mm. I had a friend whose husband has had a cancer diagnosis and she found it so hard that everyone said, Have you tried almond kernels? Oh, Have you gone to Mexico yeah. for faith healing? And it was so hard. It was so hard to say, You're not helpful. Shut up. Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au. Bearing almost everything in a black bikini top, dazzling in Dior. Stunning in a red hot one piece at 53, Jennifer is also bearing her soul in her brand new interview. So look, there are two parts of this conversation and we wanted to talk about them very, very separately because the interview was one thing. The images that went with it are another thing. And what I think it's important to say is that Jennifer Aniston is at a stage in her life and her career where she has complete control over both, right? So she chose, she's been asked a million times about kids. She made a very deliberate choice that she was ready to talk about, you know, the IVF and and not having children. She was also very involved. I've worked in magazines. I know how the power dynamic works. She was very involved in how she was portrayed in the images. And I wrote a piece that I had to change the headline of because my original headline was Jennifer Aniston wants you to know she has not had her last fuckable day. I nearly messaged you immediately with outrage. But A few yes, people suggested it. I didn't call it that and I just said, no, it's fine because the context that was missing, I've since changed the headline because I understand some people got upset about that because they thought I was dissing her wasn't. The last fuckable day, I don't know if you remember that Amy Schumer skit where she chances upon Julia Louis-Dreyfus, women of our age, Mm -hmm, Amanda, mm -hmm. um, Tina Fey and Patricia Raquette having this elaborate picnic by Lakeside. We're celebrating Julia's last fuckable day. Yes. Salute. What is that? In every actress's life, the media decides when you finally reach the point where you're not believably fuckable anymore. I mean, how do you know? Who tells you? Uh, well, nobody, nobody really overtly tells you, but there right. are signs. You like, you know yeah. how um, Sally Field was Tom Hanks's love interest in Punchline, and then like twenty minutes later, she was his mom in Forrest Gump. Or you might get offered a rom com with Jack Nicholson, where you're competing with another woman to fuck him. Or I just had an audition for Mrs. Claus. You're kidding me. I read for that part. I, I read for that too. You did. And they talk about when Hollywood decides that you are no longer fuckable and therefore you stop getting good parts in movies, you stop getting paid good money and they basically just pop you in a canoe and push you out That's to right. sea. Meanwhile, your contemporaries who are men, Tom Cruise, etc., they're still headlining blockbusters and being coupled with actresses who are 23 and 24. Mm. So that was my context for this idea of last fuckable day. And 
Last Fuckable Day was this idea that women in Hollywood are valued for being sexually attractive above all else. And when you are not considered sexually attractive anymore, your circumstances change and your career takes a dive. And so that's what I was saying, that by portraying herself, and if you haven't seen the images, Jennifer Aniston is posing on the cover in what's called a Chanel micro bikini. So it's like a little is bikini. Is that an actual bikini? Yeah. It's an actual bikini made by Chanel. It probably costs like $20,000. I thought they were bottle top lids. Yeah. Or something. So they were about the size of bottle top lids on each nipple. She's got these tiny little pert boobs and it's this string bikini. And all the photos are of her variously looking nude. And it ticks every box of what's considered sexually attractive by the very oppressive beauty standards we all live by, right? That you've got to be slim, that you've got to have a ripped stomach, that you've got to have this golden flawless skin, that you've got to have an unlined face, that you've got to have long flowing hair, all of these things. Now, some people are like, Mia, and Jessie's going to say, what's the criticism of the fact that I was drawing oh, attention to so this? Oh, there's so much. Go on. Look, the first thing is that Jennifer Aniston has actually never been an actress, I would argue, that has really pandered to the male gaze. She is beloved by women. Since Friends, it is women who love her and who have sort of been there throughout her entire career. Totally agree. The, the whole point of this interview was Jennifer Aniston isn't hiding anymore. Yes. And so it was a metaphor. I think that her with those oh. bottle tops and all the clothing was meant to be about exposure. It was meant to be a metaphor for that. She's posed that way in most shots, right? Yes. And my point is that you're exactly right. Jennifer Aniston is not someone that guys generally think are hot. But being sexually attractive by mm. these particular beauty standards is what gets you not just male attention. It's not about the male gaze. It's about the pop culture attention. It's global attention in the attention economy. So those shots went viral. Had it just been a headshot, had she been wearing a polar mm. neck or a nice shirt and jeans, whatever, wouldn't have gone viral. So but did the photos go attention. viral because of the article? Because it's the article that's getting they would the have attention. Gone, they would have gone viral anyway because it's Jennifer Aniston wearing bottle tops over her nipples. Like is they're it, extraordinary is shots not, and is she's 53. not just a woman being very, very good at her job? Yes. What I'm saying is that the only way to get in Hollywood being given those movies, which are decisions made by men mm. almost exclusively, is to be perceived by men as being effable. I don't think that this is about men and I'll tell you why I get my back up a little bit. And I think it's because it feels very sexually repressive and almost Victorian. This is the image I get, is like standing on a pedestal with your kind of high neck pearl clutching, very kind of conservative judgment about a woman who decides to get her stomach out. And that automatically makes me a bit uncomfortable. Well, I didn't even blink looking at those photos. Mm -hmm. And now I wonder, am I really shallow because I didn't read anything into it? I think this is how I expect Jennifer Aniston to look. She's 53, but she's a star. She's Hollywood. I've never, when I was 20, expected myself to look like that. And I don't think that's an inappropriate way for a woman of that age to be. I accept what you're saying that, you know, we give Helen Mirren credence because she's a sexy older woman, mm. great for her age, which is a terrible phrase to hear. Mm. I know all the tropes you're talking about, but I didn't read any of that into those photos of Jennifer because, for example, Jennifer Lopez, I don't know whether she says it, but the headlines are, look at me, I'm 50, and poses in a bikini on her 50th birthday. Most 50-year-olds don't look like that. And Jennifer, I felt, rubbed it in her face a bit more than Jennifer Aniston does, and she who says just happens to be dressing it like that. Jennifer Lopez says, happiness and joy got me here. And a lot more than happiness and joy. To be clear, this isn't. This is where it's so hard to get my point across to people who willfully misunderstand it, like Jesse. But <laughs> it's not a criticism of Jennifer Aniston. It's mm. criticism of a society that demands women look a certain way to stay 
relevant and current and to have that currency. Of course she likes looking like that. Why wouldn't you? (laughs) But why wouldn't you like looking like that? Because that is what gets you money, fame, more wealth, more status, more attention in the attention economy. Here's why I think she's stuck and we're all stuck, right, is that Mm. let's say, you know how during adolescence, and I remember this, and you start, you know, growing boobs and you've got shape and then you kind of start discovering your sexuality. And what a a lot of young girls, and I was the same, do is that you kind of might wear a shorter skirt and you, it can be about courting male attention, but it's also coming to terms with your body and sexuality, which is an innate human thing. It is an innate female thing. It's an innate male thing. So you start doing that. Do we expect women to turn their sexuality off when it's they turn fifty? It's not about sexuality. It's not about sexuality. The other thing is she looks miserable in all of these photos, but oh, that's another thing. I don't thing. think so. But what's interesting to me and where I always have this generational clash with younger women is that when you're 22 or 32, you look at this and you're stoked because you're like, maybe I can look like that. Maybe I don't have to fear getting older because that's what 53 looks like. And for me, and it's interesting, you didn't have this reaction, Amanda. I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake. Like, can we have some different examples of what 53 looks like instead of the default? So what would 53, if I'm 53 and I still want to convey and explore my sexuality, Jennifer Aniston is single. How do I display that without taking my clothes off? No, no, you can. But my point is that the way her body looks is not the way a 53-year-old body looks. But we don't expect to see that on a magazine cover. Maybe that's the problem. It didn't occur to me that I shouldn't be looking at a 53-year-old who may have an airbrushed stomach and extraordinary physique. I'm just like, what's the point? Who is this helping? I guess that it's helping Jennifer Aniston. Awesome. But there was a Does it have to help us? Well, that's a good point. There's a bit in Matthew Perry's book that, and he's really discreet, annoyingly, about what goes on behind the scenes in Friends. But at one point he talks about trying to get out of his addiction. And he said, Courtney Cox and Jennifer, who are absolute slaves to cardio and work out between every take, gave him an exercise bike and suggested that he work out Mm. and do that. And I just thought, yeah, of course. Like that is not the way a female body naturally looks. Yes, it can look like that if you dedicate your life to making it look like that. But it's like but don't I just we feel know like that. We're being yeah, yeah. Like when you buy a Barbie doll, you don't expect the human form to look. There'd be no room for your organs. Mm. I think there's still a place where we go. Well, that's attractive to look at, but I know that's not real. Yeah, and I know that this is someone who has dedicated their lives so, to. So fine. I'm not saying it should be banned, but I'm asking you to step back and say, why did she want to be portrayed like that? Because I think that she's going. I'm 53, and just because I'm 53 doesn't mean I have to turn my sexuality off. Oh my god. Oh my god, look at Mama Mia out loud. If you want to make out loud part of your routine five days a week, we release segments on Tuesdays and Thursdays just for Mamma Mia subscribers. To get full access, follow the link in the show notes and a big thank you to all our current subscribers. It is time for best and worst. Amanda, I'd love you to go first. What was your worst and best of the week? I'll start with best. I'm like most people at night. I think I'm off to bed and I find myself (laughs) an hour later thinking, turn your phone off. I'm looking at reels of golden retrievers dying and terrible. I don't know what my algorithm is, but I see the worst things. But in in the midst of that, I saw this guy jump into a car 
and say these words. You're worried about something? Call your mom. You didn't do your homework? Call your mom. Got a big test coming up? Call your mom. Got in trouble? You need someone to come pick you up? Call your mom. It's 3 a.m.? Call your mom. That word mom, right? When there's a problem, you call her. That word mom, when you just say it, right? You know everything's going to be okay. That's the gift you have in your life. Don't waste that gift. That's the gift that's going to get you to places you never thought you can go. There's a vision that your mom has of you. And she can see it. She's given that before you're given that. And it's her job to show you that way. It's her job to tell you that vision. That's why your mom keeps calling you. That's why your mom keeps reminding you. That's why your mom believes in you. Because she can see everything you're about to do. Take it seriously. It's serious. Your mom loves you. Follow her lead. Oh, and I played that on the wireless and got such a response. The thing that hit me in that was that the word mum is loaded Mm. and it's not always a good loading for people. The emails I got after that were incredible and some people saying, I don't have a good relationship with my mother, but the word mum kicks you in the guts, the good, the bad, the everything of it. And it made me think of my mum who's no longer here and he titled that What I Wish I'd Known When I Was in High School. And I don't have my mum anymore to say thanks for all that. And I sort of used to fight with, I felt she was so controlling. But love's a doing word and I get that now because I've got kids where, you know, I want them to know why I harass them (laughs) because I see such stuff in them and I want them to know that. So we got such an incredible response from a whole lot of people about the word mum. And so that was the great part of my week. I sent that to my sons. And the bad part of the week is that neither of them got back to me. Because <laughs> what I think happened. They had one job. It was they the had one job. They saw the beginning bit, call your mum, call your mum, and they went, ugh. <laughs> and so I had to follow it up with, this isn't me nagging you. The nut of it is me explaining why I harass you for love like I do yeah. and why this connection is so powerful. I love in that video the bit about how your mum can see parts of you that you can't see yet, like yes. your, your potential and... Which I would have hated if my mother told me that when oh, I was yeah. younger. Yeah. You don't know me. <laughs> but it's true. It and is. I always call my mum when I just want someone to be unconditionally on my side. And I know that not everybody has that relationship with their mum, but because I was thinking for some kids it would be like, if you've you know, got a test coming up or you haven't done your homework, call your mum. Some mums would rouse on you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But I think that his basic point is beautiful. It's just like if your relationship's good with your mum, use her love for you and the way she sees you as a way to shift your own perception of yourself. I love it. And there was also another call we took from a woman. There was a part in it that said, you need someone to pick you up at 3 o'clock in the morning, call your mum. And I went, oh, I don't know about that. (laughs) But someone phoned and she said, she's in her 40s and she still does. Her parents still pick her up. They don't go to sleep until she phones him and says, I'm home, and she was in her 40s. That's so lovely. Oh, my goodness. Mm. My best and worst are somewhat related. Basically, we've been doing this Mum Me Out Loud live show, right? Yes. And we had our last show in Sydney on Saturday night, and we've done Adelaide and Brisbane. At those shows, there's a lot of out louders, but, you know, you don't necessarily look out and recognise 100 people. At this show in Sydney, it's my whole family, it's my mum, it's my friends, it's my brother's. So many people. And that makes me nervous because I just go, oh, I don't want to stuff up in front of these people. Like I actually really Mm. care about their opinion. So we come out. It's great. 
because we did a song at the beginning and we get dressed up, we then have to go backstage and get changed really, really quickly. So go get changed, come back out, start the show. And I've got this dress on that I've rented and I just thought it was the most beautiful dress ever. Like I'm just feeling mm, myself, was, it was right? was beautiful. Yeah, yeah, really feeling myself. Was it little Coke bottles on top of your Yes, book? exactly right, my little Coke bottles. And <laughs> I had my abs out and Mia was calling me a big old slut. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's true. You say Coke bottles, we mean the lids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly right, exactly. And I'm standing there in front of 700 people, Erica. Yeah. And I hear this person yelling out my name and I think, oh, what's going on here? And I Heckling already. Heckling. And it's Holly's best mate, Penny, in the audience telling me that as I'd come back on stage, my dress at the back was tucked into my underwear. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't happen to Jennifer And I'm in front of 700 people going, no. And it was a kind of theatre in the round oh. type thing. So there was a portion of the audience oh. that had seen my Bare oh, bottom. Yeah. I don't have a. I don't have Jennifer Aniston's bottom. I'll tell you that. You so this was the good bit. Oh, so that. Well, this is the bit where I am on stage in front of seven hundred people, going, "I want to die in a hole. I just want to go. You know what? Tonight's show isn't for me. I'll just mm. go out the back and just. And then you had to pick your then, dress out of your. Own then dress. I had to pick my. And you, you helped Came me because I still help. couldn't get two it. People over. Were two people. Yeah. Two people. Takes a village. Remember. And then you had this moment that anyone who's done any entertainment, radio, podcasting would know, which is where you go. This is all about the recovery. Like I have to recover from this 100% or I will ruin this show. And you've got to pull it together in front of everyone and go deal with the emotions afterwards. <laughs> and so. Were you really upset? See, I, I would have just gone, oh, this is great content. I How wasn't funny. upset and that's what I had to do in the moment, right? Yeah. Because you just think. But when, also I'm different to you. When you go out in front of an audience, you think of all the things that could go wrong. And I've got this thing about falling over. I always think I'm going to fall yeah. over in front of everyone. Which is fair. Which is fair. That I just kind of went, oh, my God. Like, how do I? And it's one of those things that was more embarrassing for you than than anyone else. Penny, I'm just so glad she said it. Imagine if I went for the whole show and stayed like that. But I managed to recover and kind of focus and keep going. And that's the thing with any of those jobs. It's like you've just got to keep going. And and it was the best show. And then to come out afterwards and to see, you know, most people go to work and they don't get to perform it and get applause from other people. Like how lucky are we that yeah. we get to go and get all this bloody attention? Your bum got most of the applause. So exactly, exactly right. But in the end it was great. That was my worst moment. Maya, how about you? My worst moment is being crotchety. Some people have said stop talking about perimenopause, but I, I need to talk about hormones because when your estrogen lowers, your estrogen is kind of like the very female hormone that makes you very agreeable and no, that's okay. And oh, I'm sorry. When someone bumps into you and you go, oh, I'm so sorry. It's kind of like your social lubricant, estrogen. And because mine's, you know, lowering, HRT helps mostly. But I just noticed that I think I've got a much lower tolerance for frustration. So your, do you pe- feel like you have? Fuse, yeah, yeah my fuse. fuse is shorter yeah. and particularly about people not doing their jobs properly. Mm. And when you travel, when you do anything really, but when you travel, there are so many different friction points because you are interacting with so many different people at hotels, in cars, at airports, with bags, with, you know. And I just found that because we've been travelling so much, I'm just over it. I'm just over it. I'm just over it. I also just don't want to talk anymore. I don't want to talk to people. I don't want to have to say, oh, no, don't worry, it's fine that my bag's lost or the flight's delayed. And do you hate or... yourself because you feel entitled? Yeah. And yes. Because you think, I yeah. don't want to appear entitled but I'm yeah. just cranky. Yeah. yeah. Or like, oh, don't worry that you just opened the overhead locker and your bag just fell on my head. Don't worry. That's fine. Mm. That's fine. Yeah. Don't worry. I've just now got, can't move my neck. <laughs> the best 
part is though that I'm finished traveling for 2022. I do not know when I'm next getting on another plane. And you're happy for that? And that sounds so funny because for so many years we're like, all I want to do is leave my house. So I know that's a very privileged thing to complain about, but it's been a really amazing tour. We've had a lot of work things that I've had to travel for on top of the tour. And I'm just wanting to retreat and be a real homebody for a little bit. And Mm. it seems like the timing is quite good because COVID is going back up again. Yeah. And you managed to do all of that without getting COVID? That's the other thing. We managed to get through the tour without any of us getting sick, which was that bigger fear for me than you getting your dress stuck in your undies (laughs) or me getting my dress stuck in my undies was getting sick on the tour because we just didn't want to let anyone down. And so we got through it. I don't want to be a terrible soothsayer, but you will collapse in a heap now. I know. Yeah. I know. Holidays hit or you finish a busy period in your life and your body says, okay, now. Now I'm going to give you 11 illnesses. I'm going to give you a sty in each eye. Everyone in my family is on antibiotics for various ailments. So. so true. Before we go, Amanda, you have a recommendation for us. I've been listening to a podcast series called British Scandal and it's a very detailed written piece but the two hosts, their names are... Um, what do you mean it's a written piece? You just said it was a podcast. It's a podcast. But, but it's scripted. It's scripted is what I'm trying oh, to say. Oh, sorry. And it's hosted by a guy called Matt Ford and a woman called Alice Levine. They take it in turns to read the script. Then they sort of interject with each other. And sometimes the interjections are irritating. Sometimes they're brilliant. But the stories they cover are fascinating. So it's called British Scandal, which means that they cover things like Murdoch hacking scandal, the young man who lost Bering's bank the story of the weapons of mass destruction and what happened between the BBC and Parliament, who leaked what and what happened that ended in a suicide of a weapons inspector. Mm. And some of these stories are stories I've never heard, some of the things I've known a little bit about, but it's just absolutely fascinating. The way the story is told. The way the story is told and all the stories have a similar thing. They're all about money, sex, hubris, but there's a moment where you think stop lying and turn back now and you'll be okay. <laughs> a friend of mine calls it the Betty Crocker lie where someone comes to your house and you've made packet mix cupcakes and they say, oh, did you make these from scratch? And you could just say no, but you go, yes, I did. And there's a follow-up question. Is that lemon rind I can taste? Uh, yes, it is. I have an allergy. Are there nuts in there? And suddenly, uh, oh, but there's all, there's and a I point, have the recipe. The number of people, that's right, yeah. the number of times you see people, whether they're chief justices or politicians or whatever, caught out and you think if you just turned yeah. back earlier. A lot of these stories have that in common. I've loved it. Oh, mm. I cannot wait. Uh, that what's is it called? A British scandal. British scandal on Wondering. Okay, I'm listening to that. Before we go, if you're looking for something else to listen to, we had a huge response to your no filter. It was a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if you heard about it, Amanda. If not, why not? Uh, it was, <laughs> I interviewed a woman called Jenny Haynes and she has 2,682 personalities. Yes. And it was the most extraordinary interview experience that I've ever had. And Holly and producer M had a lot of questions about how the interview came together and what it was actually like as I was interviewing Jenny and what went on behind the scenes. So we recorded a special episode for subscribers. There is a link in our show notes. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for joining us, Amanda. I've loved it. And thank you. I'm off to work on my abs. Jennifer (laughs) Aniston told me to. (laughs) This episode is produced by Emma Gillespie and audio production is by Leah Porges and assistant production by Susanna Macon. Bye. We will speak to you next week. Thanks, Amanda. Thank you. Big thanks to anyone listening who has become a Mamma Mia subscriber. Subscribers get access to every podcast, exclusive videos and all the great articles on Mamma Mia. 
Subscriptions cost as little as $5.75 a month. There's a link in our show notes.